Okay, close your eyes and pretend I'm Morgan Freeman. I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, it gets so you depend on them. That's institutionalized prison horror movies on this episode of the Shawshank Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Good morning, inmates. This is your warden, Insane Mike, speaking. It's episode 235, Prison Horror. That's right. We will be talking about movies that take place in prison. What we do here at Attack of the Killer podcast is talk about horror movies. We're a group of friends. We get together. We discuss what made us all friends in the first place, our love for horror. We pick a topic and talk about films within that topic. So we speak open and freely so there may be spoilers, just letting you know. If you like what you hear, you can help support the show and help us all post bail. Go to jointheattackers.com and become a supporter of the show. And when you do, you automatically get to climb up the evolutionary ladder by becoming an attacker. Your support does help the show pay the bills and help us grow like that weird fungus on your big toe. When you do become an attacker, you get access to all kinds of extra content that is exclusive to you, the attacker. You can get a vast collection of stuff such as your own official attacker certificate and membership card. There are bonus episodes so you can listen to the show every single week instead of every other week like those normie people. Video series such as video updates, killer critiques, and the famous Insane Mike's Women in the Top 10 list. There's also a t-shirt, early access to the show, shout outs on the show and the website. You get invited to our monthly show and tell, which we just did one yesterday. That was a lot of fun. So fun. And you can even get a picture of you as a monster of my choice, drawn by me from my series, Mikey's Monsters. There's so much you can get by supporting the show and becoming an, atta- becoming an attacker. You can get all that content or you can get basically whatever content you want out of all that by going to jointheattackers.com. Do it. Jointheattackers.com and become an attacker today. Hey, speaking of shout-outs. That's right. We've got shout-outs. Go for it, Jason. Yeah, we got a brand new attacker just today. Ashlyn James of the Brett and Tony with Ashlyn and A podcast. She ponied up, and she did it. I, I know her. You know her? Lucky. Yeah. Uh, is it? <laughs> I was waiting for it. Hey, but anyway, thanks, Ashlyn. We, we sure, thank you. We appreciate yes. it. Maybe not Tony, but thank we do. you much. It is time now for the prisoner roll call. Here are the inmates, or as we call them, the podcast crew. Inmate OU812 just got a job in the prison library. He says the job has its pros and cons. Andy. Yeah, nice. Yes. I mean, I, after all the things I've done, I should be in prison, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Prisoner 8675309 has a stuttering <laughs> problem. He was supposed to get out six months ago, but he still hasn't finished his sentence. Jason! Oh my gosh, this punishing... This is uh, hey, cruel, and unusual, cruel and unusual punishment already. Punishment, man. yes. Thanks for listening and tuning in, everyone. 8008 doesn't like my jokes. He especially didn't like the one about the dwarf prisoner who fell out the window. He found it a little condescending. Tad! This podcast is a fucking prison. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> here's our transfer prisoner from the Brett and Tony podcast. Tony! Tonester! Hey, I, I broke out of my prison for this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. We finally completed the quadrilogy, Mike. Yes, that's we right. Yeah. Got the whole, they're going to uh, add more people to their podcast now just so uh, we can, uh, can yeah. have a new Actually, we all. <laughs> yeah. And Mike, our newest uh, Mike, uh, Abe told me that the uh, invite to you is in the mail, and he did not lie. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and and Tony would tell you that you saved the best for last. <laughs> yeah, actually, I would say that. You would, yeah. <laughs> <You did. laughs> is our new perk going to be license plates now? You know, Ooh, since, you know oh, that's yeah. what we're going to be. Well, thanks. As long for- as I have sixty-nine of mine, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks for joining us, Tony. Tell the folks at home who don't remember what the uh, rest of your the heck are you said guys? on the last the last two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people at home about your guys' show. Um, well, Blood and Tony with Ash and Abe. Uh, we all podcast that discuss a different topic each week, and then we take a break from that and discuss a B movie we find on Shuttle. And actually, uh, one of our next movies is going to be Magic Mike, which makes no sense, no, but we're huh. doing it. <laughs> you lost I didn't realize that was on Shutter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But, yep, we're doing it because we do not buy, you know, we don't even uh, do our own rules anymore. I had a question I haven't asked any of you guys yet. How, how long have you known these turds as friends, Tony? <laughs> oh, uh, like like all? Uh, how, how long have I known all yeah, of them? Yeah, uh, I've known Brett since third grade. I've wow. known, I've I've known Abe since he was like in eighth grade. Little kids. And then I met Ashlyn uh, when she saw dating Abe like ten years ago. Aww. Oh, nice. So yep. That's why I love your uh, show. Just a bunch of old friends talking. Yep, and we'll, we haven't killed each other yet, so. <laughs> that's why I keep tuning in. Yeah, Maybe that's happen. the one, yeah. Have you been watching the current season of Joe Bob? No. Yes. Yes. Have you seen the newest season of Creepshow? Yep. Yes. You haven't? <laughs> oh, he's not talking to us, guys. I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to the audience. Certainly not me. Wait. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? And you call yourselves horror fans. But it's not too late for you, because now is the time you can sign up for... Shudder! Shudder, the horror streaming service that any respecting horror fan should have. If I haven't peer pressured you enough to sign up for Shudder, how about I bribe you instead with a month of Shudder for free? That's right. Try a month of Shudder for free on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Just go there and enter our promo code AOTKP and you'll get your first month for free! I 
just probably blew out the mic. I think he said one month for free. One month for free. That promo code is AOTKP. Do it. Start watching Shudder. There's a lot of great stuff that's been popping up on Shudder lately, including the best movie that I've seen this century, Psycho Gorman. <laughs> hmm. Which, you know, when I watched it, and I watched it on DVD, and it had that Shudder logo right up front, I'm like, why isn't this on Shudder if Shudder um, put out this movie? But now it's on Shudder, so all is good. There's not a lot to do around here behind these concrete walls and solid steel bars. <laughs> Luckily, we have 4K television and access to thousands of movies and shows. Here's Tad to find out what we watched. Thanks for that, Mike. Um, I'm going to cut right in line this week because I'm very excited. Um, I've watched three new releases from 2021. All horror. I'm I'm kicking your guys' ass on the list so far. Mm. Um, I'm going to start with one that I actually saw in a theater, and I know Tony's seen it. Um, I'm not sure who else has seen it, but I went and saw Spiral from the Book of Saw. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I think at this point, um, I could go see just about anything in a theater and be <laughs> stoked because it's in a theater. Um, and to have a new Saw movie, I, I wasn't really excited about it until it got pushed back an entire goddamn year. Um, but it felt sort of like an SVU episode or like the first 48 with um, some traps set in. It didn't really feel like a saw movie to me. Um, they tried some of the, the comedy they try to put in was a little corny to me, but I was just stoked to be seeing a new saw movie in the theater. What did you think, Tony? Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, it had any, there was the fourth movie I've seen since 10 and July in the movie theater, which is crazy, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed Chris Rock. I thought he brought more than I, to it than I thought he was. I, I, it was like kind of predictable. I'm not going to spoil it, but I called it midway through. I'm like, are they doing this? No, they're not. Yep, did and then they did. But yep, other than that, but I was just glad to be in the movie theater. Yeah, me too. And I, I guess I, I wouldn't say I really guessed it, but I think it's because I was not, um, I didn't care enough to try to guess it, maybe. But uh, it was fine. It's just good to have, like I said, the movie theater again and to see a new Saw movie. It, it, I hope it's enough to keep the franchise going because it used to be a, like an October tradition. Um, another one I watched is Seance from uh, Simon Barrett. From you know, from uh, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, the uh, nice. sort of couple. Adam has gone on to do his own, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. So Simon wrote and directed his first feature. Awesome. Um, and it's on demand right now. It's pretty good. It's uh, I didn't I didn't absolutely f- love it head over heels, but um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's about a group of girls in sort of a uh, private school, and there's a story about a girl who supposedly jumped from the build to the top of the school and died, and and this new girl comes in, and um, I, I can't really say much more than that uh, without spoiling stuff because it's a sort of a murder mystery and. A little bit of supernatural stuff going on, but um, shot. You know, it, it, it like it's his first direct, his directorial debut. It's really cool that he's doing his own thing too now. Um, so I really like that. And then I watched Jacob's Wife. Um, I don't know if mm. you guys have heard of this one yet. 
It's the Barbara Crampton one, it right? It is, yes. And she plays um, a character named Anne, who is, get you guessed it, Jacob's wife. Um, ah, Jacob time. is a small-town minister played by uh, Fassender, and uh, she's sort of just an obedient wife who falls in the background. She's sort of getting sick of being playing that role of just being Jacob's wife. Um, so... She and I don't think this is really a big spoiler. This is sort of the uh, premise of the story. She uh, fucks around and turns out she fucks around and becomes a vampire. And hijinks ensue when you're the uh, minister's <laughs> wife and you're a vampire. Yeah. Um, and you know they get into the shit real deep, really fast. And it has a little bit of humor to it. Um, has a lot of good scares. Uh, Barbara Crampton is just fucking awesome. So anything she's in, I'm willing to check out. Straight. Uh, yeah, so I was. It, this is also on demand right now, and it's coming to Shutter, I believe, in August. Um, and I, I think Seance might be eventually coming to Shutter too, because they both had Shutter uh, logos, I believe, before them. But um, yeah, Jacob's wife, I, I definitely recommend. Uh, he directed The Girl on the Third Floor with CM Punk a few years ago. That was his mm-hmm. uh, other movie, and that wasn't he, bad. yeah, and he produced a whole bunch of really. Uh, good stuff too, like uh, Starry Eyes and Cheap Thrills. Uh, we are still here. He's he's been involved with a lot of great stuff and and directed this one. So, uh, again, just great to see some new indie horror and uh, great performances all around. So I say check it out. That's what I watched. What did you watch, Andy? Um, I rewatched the Wolf of Snow Hollow Woo-hoo! with with the wife and had another fabulous time with that um mainly i've been watching uh catching up on creep show season two but i also watched the series the sons of sam on netflix have you guys heard about this i've heard of it i haven't seen it i've watched the first couple episodes so far it's it's very very interesting and insightful it's about this uh investigator that didn't believe that there was only one shooter for years and um it's it just paints a whole you know different story on the son of sam killings and how there was a network of mm-hmm. these satanists and it and it ties like in with like charles manson i mean it's just like this really big deep dive into this book called the ultimate evil that this guy wrote and um uh very 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 cool stuff uh very a lot plausible. of uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and it's uh very uh it's got a lot of archival footage which you know i i dig that kind of stuff and um plus one of the really cool things that i liked is the the theme to this to the show is uh the season of the witch but it's a cover by joan jett and it just sounds awesome because i i dig joan jett and yeah, watch that show. And another thing that I watched recently was a documentary, and it's actually pretty darn long. It's uh, it's on the the Shout Factory uh, streaming channel. It's called Vampira and I. Oh, you guys ever? I, I've heard of this doc, and I was surfing through Tubi and adding more stuff to my watch list <laughs> on Tubi, and it was on there, so I was excited. I, just clicked on that to add it to my list uh, this morning. Yeah, it, it's 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 really it's really really informative. I mean, it talks about you know sort of like the legal issues with uh, Elvira. You know, 
her being, I mean, her relationship with James Dean and how they were like really, really good friends. They were like actually very, very close. Um, creepy fans that, you know, uh, basically assaulted her. And of course, you know, a woman, when a woman dressed like that, you know, she was just basically asking for it back in those days, you know, I mean, so, um, very, very neat stuff. I mean, I don't want to give too much away if you're going to watch it, but the the links that she went to get, like, her uh, her waist, like, 17 inches, because, like, mm-hmm. it was just, like, physically impossible for her to do that. But, I mean, just, she found a way. Uh, let's just say uh, she put something into, well, first of all, she would fast for two days and not eat. And then she found out what what tenderizes meat and just makes it, you know, really malleable. And she put the like some sort of ingredient in like meat like a meat tenderizer into like this body cream and she would rub that and it would just basically it would like eat her it would say, I guess in a safe way if if you could say that if you could say that it would like literally eat her flesh away to the Jesus. point to where she could like cinch that damn thing that belt up and she would have like this hourglass figure. I mean, it was just like, this lady is nuts for like a syndicate, you know, for like a cable TV, basically she's doing, you know, like Wayne's world, you know, she's doing this shit to her body just to entertain people. So like, it's a very, very interesting, um, documentary. And of course she talks about Ed Wood and stuff like that, but, uh, what's, yeah, definitely check that out. What's crazy about, her is uh, as far as her show goes i mean it was for one market in california but somehow she became like a national sensation she was on the cover of magazines and shit and the whole waistline thing wasn't she at one point in the guinness book of world records for her waistline i i don't know i can't remember if they mentioned that or not i thought i heard that somewhere once i can't wait to see this doc yeah it's pretty good i i definitely recommend it Excellent. And that's what that's what I watched. Sorry, no, that's good. That's great. Um, Jason, what have you watched? Uh, Tina did her amazing push the button and make it go play, and <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she informed me also this time because she knew she did it, and I was about to say something because you know that's shocking. And she goes, "It wasn't hard to do," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm sure you don't want to research this movie first or look up reviews or?" And she's like, "No, push play." Uh, so she picked uh, Things Heard and Seen. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it has Amanda Seyfried. Is that how you say it? Yeah. See, Seyfried. Uh, she's kind of the lead. This James Norton guy. It's got Natalie Dyer, the girl from Stranger Things, in it. And it's a neat little story. Uh, you know, it's the husband, wife, and child that the guy gets a job. They're from New York, but they get the job out in the country, and so they move to the smaller town, this house in the middle of nowhere, and he gets this job, and she's left home, and then there starts to be things like ghosty things. So at first I'm like, I don't know, you know, ghosts. But then uh, the movie, I don't, it's not, I don't want to spoil it too bad because it is new, but it does a really neat thing, I guess you could say, where like she and the ghost aren't necessarily enemies like and like so the the guy starts doing bad things and like she she almost kind of befriends the ghost instead of it being this thing that nobody believes her and stuff where 
she uses the ghost to help her and it's like that's kind of neat that it's, it's the ghost thing wasn't a bad thing but it's all right um i finally saw synchronic i'm wish yeah. to play on that sucker man that movie's awesome that's another one that would have fit in our bonus episode heck yeah oh man anthony mackie Jamie Dornan, Kate Aselton from The League. <gasps> Ooh, that's right. And uh, directed by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, those studs. And gosh dang, this movie's so great. Even though I uh, naturally am very, uh, have troubles with time travel, but this one handles it pretty dang well. All their movies, that, which have to do with time travel, it seems, handle it pretty well. So that's really smart and clever and cool and neat and. Did you cry? Fuck yes, of course. Yeah. I always do. Jesus, oh, I bawled my eyes out at the end of this sucker. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think uh, Nikki was capable of crying, and then they had a dog scene in there. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That got Tina too. She was yelling at the TV. She's like, "Why would yeah. you? Buy, why did you?" Yep. 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 Anyway, so that was great. <laughs> and then the last one I'll say I watched again. Uh, Mother's Day. Watch that. And uh, yeah, hold on a second. Uh-huh. So I saw that in your uh-huh. recent viewings on Letterbox, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that had to have been because of Joe Bob. Nope. Why did I mean? I'm I'm happy for you that you watched Mother's Day. I'm proud well, of you. But you watched I, voluntarily watched Mother's Day. I've I've seen it before, um, a couple times, uh, but it was a Tina pick. And oh okay. So she hit play, and I was like, oh, "Are you sure?" She hated it, didn't she? I I I don't know. I I hated it more. I'm not surprised. Like I I like a lot about the movie. It's just I like I love the first half of the movie, but like the second that them three girls, uh, it like it just isn't fun anymore, and I hate it. Well, to me, that's definitely one of those movies that the only reason I would watch it is to hear Joe Bob sort of yeah. and Eli Roth, you know, uh, yeah. sort of nerd out about it. So no, and their episode was great, and but man, I just I got me so mad. I just hate the way it goes, and it's too bad because I I can appreciate Charlie Kaufman and what he does and. And I, and, I, and I think all the characters are great. You know, the mom and the two boys, I, it, within themselves, they're fun and cool. But gosh dang it, I just hate the f- fucking story once it goes bad in the middle there and just no fun. But anyway, hey, that's what I want. And then besides the Joe Bob stuff from, uh, you know, but I assume somebody would talk about that. So um, that's what I watched. All right, Tony, what have you seen recently? Tony! Uh, I've seen this little movie called Spiral. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I was gonna say one thing I did not like about it. Um, they they changed the voice they used was kind of monotone, yeah. and I didn't oh like yeah, it. yeah, it's, it's jarring. Not just because it's a different voice, but the voice they went with was not great. Yeah, and I was like it took me out because you know it's like a squid movie. You gotta have the voice, right? So that was my one complaint. And uh, I've been watching a lot of Holliston because we did it for yeah. podcast the other week. Oh, catching yeah. up on it. I'm really enjoying it. It has our best friend Joe Lynch on it. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious on you guys' yep. episode. All the Joe Lynch. Oh, oh he, he is going to become our best friend. It's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to add, be added to your show, so he'll be on your show. 
Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to my be on your show card until you have Joe Lynch on there, and then I'll join you on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't be eating the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and that's about it. Besides Gilmore Girls, which I don't want to go into, but yeah, I've been watching that for all podcast. <laughs> the things we do for a podcast yeah right yeah, yeah. mike what is going on over hey. there oh, magic okay, mike magic. movies are actually more about like drugs and drama than they are about male strippers people have this preconceived notion that it's just a bunch of swinging cocks but there's uh boobs in it there's drug use they're actually uh serious movies and he perks up in his chair um <laughs> actually, I love it. uh I'm, it's not, not clowns or geist yep you're right <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to defend Magic Mike XXL to the day I die, okay? That was a good movie. <laughs> That's the hill I'm going to die on. I just want to quote Tad again where he's like, there's more to Magic Mike than just swinging cocks. There's boobs. There is. Uh, uh, Olivia Munn's in the first one, uh, nude. Okay, so. uh, I don't talk about the fourth one. The fourth one is dead to me. We're talking about Magic Mike XXL. That's all okay. you need. These are two different things here. Okay, I apologize. Uh, I yeah. Like, yeah, but but when but when you did say pussy and blow, yeah, I did perk up in my chair. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike, that leaves you, right? I think so. Uh, well, the ones that I picked from what I've watched, uh, it's kind of filling some gaps in um, directors' filmographies that I've never seen before. First off, uh, Brandy and I um, watched. The 1985 movie in Into the Night, directed by John Landis. Love John Landis movies, and I had never seen this one. And it stars Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's awesome. So I actually have that. I haven't watched it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, and here we here we thought this would at least for Brandy anyway be the greatest movie of all time because not only does it have an appearance by Dan Aykroyd, but it also has an appearance by David Bowie. So. You know, oh. it should be your favorite movie of ever, but unfortunately, it. Uh, I don't know if I had it after all these years of never seeing it and um, loving John Landis movies of having maybe um, a, a false expectation going into it. But I just, it just felt slow. It felt like there was moments in the movie that I kind of forgot Jeff Goldblum is in it, and I'm sitting there looking right at him. You know, because he's <laughs> he's just so non-existent in this. It feels like he's just following along in this crazy story that's going on. But the thing is, is the story isn't even that crazy as it, as it seems like on paper is it's just mostly just going from one scene to the next and having dialogue with a new set of characters and found it rather boring. I was kind of going into it, expecting something along the lines of after hours by Scorsese, Mm -hmm. which I love that movie so Mm -hmm. much. And it's insanity uh, of just this guy having a bad night in the middle of the night in New York city. And that's kind of what I was thinking this would be like only with that John Landis touch. So even zanier, um, you know, like maybe like 137 cars pile up on the highway or something <laughs> in a helicopter. To oh, now come on, a child. come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely, it, I, I, it really kind of let me stoned in a van. Yeah. It really kind of let me down, but it does have a great cast. Again, Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer is the female lead in it. Um, it's also got David Cronenberg. Paul Bartel shows up. Um, Jim, Hen- Jim Henson has a cameo in it. Clue Gallagher shows up. Uh, Rick Baker has a small little cameo in it. 
and DJ John Carpenter, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> you would think, right? But <laughs> Jesus, it's yeah, it's got. Well, it's definitely one of those where it felt like it was more as far as like the stunt casting goes. It felt like it was something more from John Landis or Joe Dante in the uh, late '90s, where they were just making, or Mick Garris, where they were just making movies and throwing all their friends into the background. So, but yeah, I, it was a bummer. I didn't. Care I thought you were going to say. Uh, it, it was going to be like Brandy's favorite movie, but she had to watch it with you. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it, but I was just because I was going to I was going to watch it by myself, and when the when the credits were rolling at the beginning, and we I already knew Dan Aykroyd was in it, so that was a gimme. And then the following title card was David Bowie, and I'm like, "Yep, I better shut this off. I got to watch this with Brandy if it's got both Dan Aykroyd and David Bowie in it." The next film I watched was from 1987, um, directed by um, Penelope Spears, um, which I feel like maybe I'm on a Penelope Spears kick after the last episode I mentioned that I watched Suburbia. But I watched uh, Dudes for the first time. Dude. Good movie. Yes, with John Cryer and Daniel Roebuck. The Roebuck. Yeah. Love this movie. It's these punk guys from the big city uh, trying to you know get away from it all and move to California. Uh, with their friend Flea, um, and uh, they kind of end up in the in the you know Hicksville or whatever in the desert, and Flea gets killed off by these by these uh, rednecks and uh, Lee Ving. Lee yeah, Ving uh, is yep. for, uh, lead singer of Fear, and he was in Streets of Fire, and he was Mister Body and Clue. Sorry, nope, yep, Con- that's continue. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so it's John Cryer and Daniel Roebuck uh, on Wacky Adventures trying to get revenge. And it's totally, it's really weird because it plays this kind of like a screwball comedy, but at the same time, it's a murder-revenge movie. So uh, it, it's really got a weird tone to it, but I really like it. And I'll watch anything with John Cryer and Daniel Roebuck, and putting them two together was awesome. So uh definitely recommend that. It's also got Catherine Mary Stewart in it from uh, Night of the Comet, so... Was uh, happy to see it's her cool. in something else. Yeah. yeah, Daniel Roebuck actually has a very interesting early filmography. Considering you know, there's this film, and then he was in The River's Edge. I love him. With... I love him, and I love that movie. I love The River's yeah. Edge. Yeah, so good. And I, I just like it. I just like hearing um, you know Keanu Reeves call the call his stepdad food eater. <laughs> food eater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that fucking line gets me every time. Oh, and then you got uh, uh, Crispin Glover in that one too, you know. Crispin. Yes, yes. There's some great quotable lines from Crispin in that movie. And he, what's what's the kid from uh, Near Dark? He's he plays Keanu Reeves' little brother. Oh, what is his name? Last name Miller. Josh. Joshua Miller. Is it Joshua Miller? Okay. Yeah, no relation. Uh, <laughs> the last one I watched that I'll talk about. Well, first of all, quick side note. Um, I did finally finish off the. Uh, the rest of the season of Creep Show, and that final episode with Justin Long has to probably be the the greatest thing ever. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. I love that was very good. I love that whole going in and out of an actual real movie, and they did some really fun stuff in having him interact with uh, the actual footage from the original yeah. movies. Pretty was, pretty fun. Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Anyway, the last movie I'll mention. Brandy and I watched it last night. She's kind of been on a little bit of a full moon kick. And so we watched 1994's Shrunken Heads. 
uh, which is directed by Richard Elfman, uh, Danny Elfman's brother. So, of course, Danny Elfman does the opening theme song to the movie. And then um, Richard goes downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) And then so uh, chameleon composer Richard Band uh, basically emulates uh, that score through the rest of the score of the movie. Um, uh, Let's see. It's oh, my God. This movie is this movie is the weirdest movie ever put out by full moon and weirder than I think anything Charles band has ever had his hands on. Um, this was the first theatrical release that full moon ever did and why they chose this one, maybe because they put a, like five extra dollars into the budget than all the other ones or something. But I don't know um, why he would pick this one for a theatrical release just because it is so bizarre. Cause basically it's about these three boys and it, First of all, the music is uplifting and and happy, and it's you know really early eight, uh, really uh, early Tim Burton uh, and Danny Elfman style music, and it's a comedy, and it's basically it's about these three kids lives in the that live in these this bad neighborhood, and they get shot and killed by a street gang, and then a voodoo priest chops their heads off and turns them into shrunken heads that can fly around and has superpowers. And they get revenge on all the uh, street thugs in the neighborhood. It's freaking weird, weird movie. Meg Foster is in it, and she plays wow. she plays the crime lord Big Mo. Fuck yeah! Who they call? <laughs> they refer to they refer to her as she in the movie, but she is fully dressed like a man. Um, is chomping on cigars and has a blonde girlfriend that that is hanging out on her on his on her desk through the whole movie and whatnot. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. What a weird what a weird choice for that character. Um okay. Yeah. Uh <laughs> and then it, it gets a, a little on the disturbing side because the female lead of this movie is this girl named Sally who's clearly literally 15 years old. And at the beginning of the movie she's dating the head punk of this gang named Vinny, who's clearly a man in his mid twenties. And there's like a scene where they're making out in the back of a car and he's like trying to go all the way, but she doesn't want to. And I'm just like, this is getting icky. And Mm. she has a crush on the, on the main kid of the movie that ends up becoming one of the shrunken heads. So the shrunken head visits her in her, her bedroom. And, when she, oh, I, I, I don't want to go any further. It gets, it gets a little I, weird. I think you've gone far enough, Mike. Exactly. But so you it's should basically check it. like, it's basically like Brody Dahl's relationship with Tim Armstrong from Rancid, <laughs> if you guys know that story. But it's still worth checking out. It's fun. It's nutty. It's actually got some funny stuff to it. Um, it's typical full moon, but it does feel like they tried to do a little something more with it than say, you know. Puppet Master 37. Um, <laughs> That's so. my favorite one, you I bastard. <laughs> I'm a little partial to 33. <laughs> well, 33 only has three-fourths of the movie recycled footage from the previous film. So. Anyway. go downhill after 22. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I watched. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, Tad. Okay, listeners, it's time to get those tweets ready and vote for the correct answer. You know, mine. Here's Jason with pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you 
are the secret force of pole position. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Pole Position. Let's take a look back, all the way back to episode 234, with the question, what is your favorite Adam Wingard film? Hmm, everybody remember their answers? I'll tell you. We had Mike with Blair Witch, Jason with Godzilla vs. Kong, Tad with Your Next, Andy with The Guest. And I have a feeling my winning streak is over already. I, uh, I'm afraid I so. actually voted on this one. Here's the thing. Well, thank you for to- voting for mine, Tony. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I voted for you. I, I, I voted for your next. I'm sorry. Oh! So did a lot of people. Ted ran away with the victory on that one. 60% of the votes. Wow. Nice. But Ted's got to be a little bittersweet on this one. Because it wasn't my first pick. It wasn't your first pick. And that meant Andy's pick, the guest, 0%. Oh, what? No one. Hey, I voted for him, okay? That was all me. No one <laughs> voted for the guest. Can you believe yeah. it? Wow. That's, I'm surprised. Yeah, me too. So Mike had a close third with 7% and then me with 33%. I'll take so. it. <laughs> You'd beat Andy. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on with today's question. Today's question is, what is your favorite form of Capital pun. What is it? Favorite. <laughs> no, I don't think favorite. No, like that's worst. the wrong word. What's worst. The worst. What's the worst? That's the right worst. What's your worst? The favorite? polar opposite of what <laughs> I, you said. I I, 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 I still say favorite is a better. What way to do put you it. think is the worst form of uh, execution? There, I said it right and wrong and right. Insane Mike, you're up first. <laughs> Well, you almost made me rethink my uh, answer. <laughs> I'm I'm going with the gas chamber because it feels like that would be first of all. What is it about the gas chamber? First of all, uh, you've been in a Dutch oven. Oh, if you've been in a room with me after eating baked yep. beans, knew uh, that was coming. You know, uh, uh, you know, there's like a kind of a. Uh, I mean, you're breathing in poisonous fumes, oh. but it almost feels like kind of like it's a suffocation kind of thing. You know, and I think that's the worst way to die, I feel. Uh, and I feel like it's probably the slowest of all of mm. them. So, screw that. So I went with gas chamber. Ugh. All right, I'll go next. Uh, it's, I don't think it's just because I spent time as an electrician, but I'm going to choose the Horace Pinker method, electrocution. How come? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I'm proud of myself. The entire time I was an electrician, I never got shocked. That's shocking. Right. Safety first, folks. Safety first. I don't know. It just seems so violent. And I also don't... uh, It's not that it's fast either. I don't know. None of these are fast enough. It feels like you... I mean, it probably feels like an eternity as you feel like the so it sounds so painful so painful and you're right i we all have movie versions to go by here but if you go by horace pinker i know he didn't die, but anyway he's just going crazy shaking and all oh, the smoke face and, off oh man it's just clearly the worst one but anyway what did you pick ted <laughs> um by process of elimination, because everyone else had picked one, oh, I, I'm going with hanging, but um, I do think that's a pretty brutal one because it's so old school and it's not always oh. 100%. So yeah. um, the anticipation, oh, and if you've yes. ever seen um, The Devils, uh, that's probably like the most horrible um, 
mm-hmm. execution scene and all of film at the end there. So and uh, technically it depends on what you're getting hanged with. It could be like piano wire or something right. that could like slowly decapitate you. Right. Just that but, helplessness. Oh my. And the idea that, you know, that some say that like, you, I mean, I know it's more so on the uh, beheading that like, guillotine, but like after you die, your head stays alive for a little bit longer. And I don't know, just I don't know. I, I guess some people would think it would be better because it breaks your neck and you're done as quick as a as a gunshot or something. But it, it's not always a hundred percent, and it can just be a slow suffocation and mm. uh, just a typical old school brutal way of doing things. So awful. All right, Andy, what's your pick? Um, my pick is drawn and quartered. And uh, I will explain that real quick. It's basically you are tied by your arms and your legs and a either like a truck or a horse in the olden days. They all pull you in, you know, separate directions. It's like when um, <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme's getting trained in blood sport, you know, to like yes. get, you know, get more flexible to go. I, I want to I want to honor you, Shidoshi, you know, that kind of shit. <laughs> And anyway, but yeah, it's like, you know, imagine just having your arms and your legs just ripped off, you know, and you're a torso, torso, and then you just bleed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and that torso gets um, bled uh, out, you know, uh, from every, every appendage. Well, not all of them, if, you know, if you're a dude. Of course, they may, you know, drawn and five you. Okay, well... Youch. Yeah, I know I don't have one, but I would have uh, said stone. Stoned. That would be your pick if you got to vote. If I was, like, if I, you know, could get one, but nope. That's right, because Twitter only lets us have four votes, and that's too bad. Because stoned sounds I think fun. Andy's what? been stoned to death. Yeah. Hey. Mm. Oh. All right, but get your butts over Timer to Twitter two. at AOTKP. <laughs> get your vote in. Which one do you think's the worst? Who got it right? Get your votes in. That is My pole position. Can, can we get Andy one vote? May, maybe <laughs> he might win this one. That sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a definitely a good one or a bad one. <laughs> whatever. Whatever Jason thinks. Um, it's movie time. Yeah. It's time to talk about some movies, prison movies. Tad, what's first? Our first movie <laughs> is from 2017. It is Brawl and Cell Block 99. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. While I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle's just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principal. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong. And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot.
tell me my business. I do things direct, and I have a system. Won't last Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear, and prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. All right. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say that trailer got me stoked to watch it. I want to turn <laughs> off the podcast and watch this movie again. I've seen it probably uh, five or yeah. six times. Vince Vaughn, please give him a goddamn slasher movie. Uh, this guy, he found his calling in this movie. He's a funny guy, yes. but uh, he plays a former boxer yeah. who uh, was an auto mechanic, gets fired, comes home, finds out his girl's been cheating on him. Um, he goes total street fighter, beats the fuck out of the car. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. They des- yeah. they decide in typical fashion, how do we fix this relationship? Well, let's have a kid. How can we afford that? I'll start running drugs again. Um, the oh. drug deal goes bad. He gets put in prison. The bad guys steal his girlfriend. Um, the only way for him to save his ba- his unborn baby from getting its limbs cut off and his girlfriend from being killed is to work his way up through the prison system like a fucking video game until he gets to the ma- the, the final boss in Cell Block 99. Um, and just like, th- this is a better Mortal Kombat movie than Mortal Kombat. Um, <laughs> the fatalities, he, he uses his boot to put people's faces off of their heads um <laughs> the sound in this is deserving oh. of an oscar um it makes oh, yeah. me uh my, crunch yes oh my god it's it, this is a one-of-a-kind movie when i first saw this i could not believe what i was watching uh has udo kier uh again vince vaughn as a hulking mean motherfucker um don johnson jennifer carpenter um the the fight scenes are so unique in that they're both comic booky, but also but real, realistic yeah. because they're, yeah. they're slow and not um, all fast and, and shot weird. They're right in front of you and they're, they're brutal. Uh, f- I fucking love this movie. It has it's, a great, it has great, great soundtrack uh, with the OJs. Um, the music is awesome. I love every single second of this movie from the time it starts till it ends. I can't get enough. What do you guys think? I love this movie. Um, Tad pretty much said everything that I need to say, um, between, you know, the fight, the fight scenes and this, the, the evolution of Vince Vaughn's character, his banter is second to none. I love, I love the way that, that Vince Vaughn just, you know, his, his comebacks and, and the way that he talks and, um, the and plus the evolution of his character. I mean, because this this movie spoiler it, it becomes a tragedy for for as heroic that he is. It just becomes you just you your heart's broken by the by the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. It just how, continually breaks throughout the movie. Yeah, but how, however, I mean, just and well, and speaking of breaks, let's talk about broken bones in this movie. Jesus, um, yeah, every every you know you know. Anything with a hinge in this movie that's connected to a body is, 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 is broke. Unhinged at some point. Uh, exactly. Um, plus, and every time I watch it, and I know he beats up the car, and I know that's like a classic <laughs> scene, but whenever he, the, like when, when, we talk, when you talked about sound, Tad, every mm-hmm. time he grabs the rearview mirror and I hear that... Yep, he throws it. Yep. I, I, I laugh my ass off. Like a boomerang, Every, yeah. Yes. It's so damn funny. 
Um, yeah, the sound but, design is pretty exaggerated in general in this movie, but it's fucking cool. Right, like a cartoon. Not like any it's not other. It's not. It makes cheesy. me think of like like no. a seven like a seventies kung fu movie in a way, but uh, done like brutally. Yes, like, it's really interesting. God. Yeah, and uh, just the. I mean, I I normally sometimes I do like a quote of the movie, but I just like. Uh, there's so many to do, but the, uh. the first one that comes to mind is like, I didn't realize water had a sexual orientation, but, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, uh, t- f- folks, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, please, please watch it. It's the sec- uh, who, who's the director? He, he did bone Tomahawk as well. S Craig Zoller. Oh yeah. Yes. Watch, watch and this film and bone Tomahawk. Yep. There's some good, like, school crunching uh, sound in Bone Tomahawk. He has perfected that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Um, and, uh, like, I was going to say, like, I remember I wrote down, like, the Street Fighter 2 comment. <laughs> so, <kinda laughs> yep. That was such a Street Fighter 2. Uh-huh. And it's just so sad to know, like, how much many years Vince Vaughn was wasted. Because you could tell he's been bored in these comedy movies. Right. He, he's a good actor, underrated. He'd need the parts. But he's just not getting them. Yeah, and, between yeah. this and um, Freaky, it's like, a, mm-hmm. we need him in horror. Like, a, yeah. a serious horror movie where he just fucking slaughters people. <laughs> he's just such a beast. But, like, oh, he's so fucking good in this. You, you learn, I mean, you don't know right away, but you learn pretty quick that he's probably a pretty okay guy. Right, you, you relate to him, even if he's he's rough around the edges. I love those moments, but right before the car, where you just spend some time with him, like trying not to lose his shit, where he's just staring mm-hmm. off, and you can just see him getting mad. You just know shit's just building up, and he's oh my, it's so realistic yeah. in a way. It's it's boiling point, uh, you know. It's we we keep talking about the car scene, and so it is an amazing scene, um, stupid, in and of it's itself, based on. Yeah, based on all things we talked about, but uh, it to me, story-wise, it is a pivotal scene mm-hmm. in us, sympath- in my opinion, sympathizing with this character and relating to this character because, you know, his girlfriend, he just got fired, his girlfriend just confessed to him about cheating on him, and, you know, he's a big brooding man, he used to run drugs and stuff, you know, they could have gone the route where, like, he beats the crap out of his girlfriend, but no, he calmly tells her to go inside because he knows he's about to lose his shit, yeah. and he takes it out on an inanimate object. And he's <laughs> through the whole movie, he is trying to trying to do the right thing yep. and and look out for other people. It's like when the, the when the drug run goes wrong, it's because he's trying to make sure that these guys he's not normally working with aren't killing innocent people, and um and. And uh, so for me, that car scene is such an important part to his character and and his whole arc. Uh, that, and it's just cool watching him tear about a freaking car. But <laughs> that and all the brutality in this movie is really wild because it's super over the top because he is superhuman. He is flat right. out superhuman in this movie. I yeah. When I first watched this movie, I literally related it to a movie that's going to show up later in this episode. Um, as, as <laughs> like a modern day American version of the same movie. <clears throat> um, because, and there, cause there's no rhyme or reason for it. He just happens to be superhuman. I mean, he physically he's like, cares he to be a boxer. Part. Okay. So he's, he's, he's um, like literally, I mean, we've talked about it at, from the beginning of freaky, but this is like, 
Jason Voorhees. Like he comes off as yeah. Jason Voorhees. Uh, you cannot slow him down, stop him. You can hit him. It's just going to make him uh, stronger. It's like yep. if you have, a, like Andy said, if you have a fucking limb, he's going to take it. You know, and he's <laughs> he's head stomping. He's head stomping oh. people like it's freaking watermelons. You know. Yes. Um, so it's like over the top, but then the actual violence itself feels really realistic because when he's pulling apart that car and he reaches, he reaches in and grabs out the the light out of the front it takes them a little it's bit it's not You're perfect them. yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's not perfect that's a that's a great way of putting it but that yeah, fucking when scene <laughs> when he stomps <laughs> on the head and skids it across the ground uh, is my favorite uh, and he, uh, yeah i always wanted to do that whoa what okay. <laughs> and speaking now that he's since he's a boxer doesn't that and we mentioned street fighter several times this like he's like the the you know, the life version of Balrog from, like, you know, Street Fighter, you know, since he's a boxer and he's bald. Yeah. But, uh, and I really liked how it took its time to actually get to prison, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I know yeah. a lot of other movies would just jump cut to prison and, like, him doing yeah. something. It just let it breathe and, like, got to know him. And then, bam, was he, great. like, yeah. she ended up there and then she kept on going. Yeah, this is like two two hours and twelve minutes. It's, it's not a short movie, but it definitely doesn't feel oh. long. It's, no, you I thought you were lying yeah. when you said that right now. I'm like, you're like, like very, in, you're so engaged in it, and it's oh. yeah, it's a mark of a good movie. I I remember because this is the first time I've watched it since I first watched it back in 2017, which I'm assuming was for the year ender. Um, <laughs> and this time around, I'm like. Oh my God, we got to the prison way quicker than I remembered. So it definitely is a very engaging movie that keeps you going and you just really get invested with his character. I think, you know, that's definitely a testament not only to the writing and the directing, but that performance by Vince Vaughn as well. You guys are right. He totally needs to be doing some more horror and. It's just that it's matter of, of fact, deadpan. Too. I don't want with, to take him away from there's, comedy. Yeah, there's comedy in almost every one of his lines, but it's just said so matter of factly. Yeah. That's what makes it so fucking funny. Yeah, I mean, it and just starts he, off right at the beginning when he's he's like pulls into the mechanics nice. and they're like they're like you know let's go sit in the office. He's like anything you can say in there you can say out here in front of everybody. I've never won to be put in an office. Like, yeah, yeah. I the one thing that kind of bummed me out was well, it didn't really bum me out, but I, uh, but I can see like it was uh, his character was so conflicted because when that guard was starting to apologize to him he's like i i'm sorry i gave you a hard time before you know and um about you know about you know i just want you to be in the boxing program Mm -hmm. you know and he's just like and vince is like shit and it's just like i have to do this and he's you know (laughs) he's and he you could tell he doesn't want to assault that guard but he he has to and it's just like damn yeah, the first person to show him any like kindness or humanity, even for that brief moment, since he showed up to the prison, and it's just it's just heartbreaking because he knows we know that he has to do it too, and, and yeah. And when it comes down to it, that's what this movie's all about—is the writing that story. It's just so heartbreaking that to know that we all know that he has to do what he has to do, and. And it's not going to end well, and he knows it, and we know it, and everyone but the wife knows it, and it's so fucking sad. Jesus. So, so uh, Dragged on Concrete, that's, is that the same director, too? 
Yeah. Yes. Is it like the like this in Bone Tomahawk? I haven't seen it. I still haven't seen it either. Guys, I have not seen it as well. Unfortunately, uh, I can't say that it's anywhere near as good as his first two features. I was disappointed. I watched the trailer, and and it takes it's gonna it takes a lot to for me to do some kind of police drama movie. Um, so it's got to have something to catch my attention, and from the trailer, it does not look like it has anything that would catch my attention, like these other two films of his. Yeah, it it's I hate to say it, you know, because I love this guy's first two films, but it it falls flat even with Vince Vaughn and uh it was a it was Mel Gibson, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah, they're just suspended cops and they get into like some kind, you know, some trouble. I it's, I I bought it and then I sold it, you know, cuz mm. it was just wow. it wasn't it it really didn't do anything for me, and I was actually super excited because you know, based on you know my opinion of his previous two films. But yeah, um, sorry, it just it didn't do much. Because what I connect with with this and Bone Tomahawk are that this guy's making seventies and eighties exploitation movies, but yeah. but with a with a budget and a script <laughs> and a little bit of art to it. Yeah, realistic art. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. Bone Tomahawk is essentially a cannibal movie. This one is like a prison exploitation movie. Yeah. So it, it's a bummer. I hope he comes back to it. I hope. I don't know what 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 that guy's doing well, now, but um, he was connected with producer Dallas Sonier, who yeah. um had a very he's been Me Too'd and canceled, so oh. uh. Unfortunately, you know, Craig is also a part of that group, and um, I'm not uh, sure that any of them will be making any movies anytime soon. But if he had not connected to that, look at what Quentin Tarantino did with the wine scenes. He went out and was able to make his own movie. So hopefully, right. yeah. if he's not connected, he should be able to hopefully that's a good, find that's somebody a good else. Point. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I've, I know the horrible things that um, Dallas has done, but I'm not sure if... Uh, yeah. If uh, Craig Zoller was just, uh, you know, he was just producing these movies or if they were, um, you know, if he was involved somehow or, or what. Um, I, I'm, I haven't read enough, but I know that he hasn't directed anything since Dragged Across Concrete twenty in 2018. So um, I imagine, you know, that hurt his rep. And yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully he had nothing to do with it. I have no idea. I've not followed that. Yeah, me either. But this movie's fucking brilliant. Yep. Everybody needs to <laughs> Amen. Go see it. Which 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 is which one you like better, this or Bone Tomahawk? Bone Tomahawk. Bone uh, Bone Tomahawk. I'm the I, I like this one more. This I like Brawl way more. This one got better this time uh, than the last time. I say Brawl by, you know, a hair, but goddamn, they're both good. So good. I mean, I just love the dialogue in Bone Tomahawk. I just remember the whole gumbo conversation. I was like <laughs> I just love that. You love gumbo. That's just the way. No, I hate gumbo, but he made me love it. (laughs) (laughs) At the end, he's like, man, I kind of want some gumbo, but I hate gumbo. I'm gumbo, damn it. Oh, God. Okay, Andy, what's our next movie? (laughs) Our next movie is a sequel from 2003. It is Beyond Reanimator. It was an unholy experiment. You and your sick experiments! 
You'll go to jail for this. That became a cult classic. This is science, doctor. Not superstition. Now, Dr. Herbert West returns. Doctor, I know what you did. Oh, really? You found a way to restore life? In a tale so chilling and so shocking. What happened to you? Not even death can save you. Lionsgate Home Entertainment and cult classic director Brian Yuzner take you beyond your worst nightmare. It works. Beyond your wildest fear. Surprise! Beyond Reanimator. Combs. Beyond Reanimator. Hey, got any more? Uh, Let's say you've had enough. Rest in pieces. Okay, after 13 years in prison, the mad scientist from Reanimator, Herbert West, played by Jeffrey Combs, gets a new experiment with the arrival of a young prison doctor who secretly hopes to learn to reanimate dead people. Good intentions turn to horror. Um, this is probably my second time watching this, um... Basically, um, it's a young doctor who, after the events of Bride of Reanimator, I'm assuming, um, his sister gets killed by one of the zombies, and one of uh, Herbert West's syringes gets left at the crime scene in front of the cops, and the cops don't, you know, seem to, you know, want to search the kid while he's holding the needle as they drive away, but that's... You know, never mind. Could have been easily missed. It's not like it's glowing yeah. gr- neon green or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the kid, the kid could have been at a rave or something. You know, it's a glow stick. Um, but anyway, this, this said kid, uh, he becomes a doctor and he wants to do his residency at the prison where Herbert West is, and he wants to learn how to re. You know, since his sister died at such a you know young age. He wants to uh, learn how to reanimate, you know, dead people. And basically, uh, West is, you know, doing um, all sorts of experiments, and he's found a new way to extract, like, this sort of uh, plasma, which, you know, it uh, combined with the original serum, it helps uh, calm the reanimated people down so they're not so not so crazy well sort of you know br- briefly um basically it's it's like any other reanimator movie you know once this green shit gets into pe- gets into dead people bad things happen and there's a lot of gore um for instance at the end of the trailer when you hear do you got any more you got any more that is <laughs> that's one of my favorite scenes um because basically the guy is a druggie and he thinks that the reanimated serum is drugs and he shoots it into his system and he basically he you know gyrates all around this prison cell and then he takes another shot and then this shit basically makes him explode but he's it's still reanimating him so yeah he looks completely gross um like any other typical prison drama you know the warden is an asshole uh, 
I don't care if it's horror or you know anything anything that's in a prison. You know, find me a movie where you have actually have a nice warden that gives a shit about his prisoners. Um, I'll call you a liar because it doesn't exist. Um, uh, we uh, there's a uh, reporter that you know goes in there too, and she does like a really great uh, exorcist uh, crab walk that's very kinky in lingerie, which is you know that was cool too. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to not much to say about it. I mean, it's typical, you know, re- reanimator mayhem. There's really not a a lot of substance to it. It's just, you know, it's it's the same formula, which means you're gonna you're gonna have fun because it's just one crazy damn thing after the other. Uh, that's and you get to see a if you wait long enough. You get to see a rat fight a severed reanimated penis. <laughs> Worth waiting. So, exactly. Uh, what did you guys think? I got this. Uh, was did anybody, go ahead, Tony. Uh, did anybody end up be very beginning the very creepy way that the two siblings were playing around with each other? <laughs> I mean, a little weird. I'm serious. Like. That that creeped me out more than that zombie coming in, because right. And then later later in the movie with Laura, it switched to a picture of his sister after all, all that. If anybody caught that, yep. and that yeah. all I could think about during that, that was like a creepy thing I caught on. A little too much tickle fighting there. Yeah, and another thing, this kid grew up in the nineties. He had a green twinge for thirteen years after seeing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle two. He's not going <laughs> to mess with that. I don't buy that. <laughs> was this your first time seeing it? Yes. And yes, it see- was. And you've seen the other ones, I take it? Yes. Or? Okay. Yep. And uh, that rat had the best storyline in this movie. <laughs> 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 and I'm, I'm going to say it. The warden had a pretty good size dick. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was even hard. <laughs> I mean, I was impressed. He's you not know? wrong. He's not wrong, guys. I mean, well, he's missing it now. I mean, it's. He doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. 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 I, mean, yeah I mean, regardless, what the, not my size ain't going to do much for him now if it ain't attached. Yeah, but doing that, I mean, man. He had he had some game. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, a first watch for me. I've owned it for like fifteen years or something. Uh, I, I've bought the DVD years and years ago. I bought all three of them, and I've seen the first two. And uh, this was so. This was an unwrapping for me. Um, oh, cool! It, sort of weird, like. It felt like a um, reanimator movie. Like it felt like they they plugged uh, Herbert West into a modern movie. Like the jump between time periods, um, it just felt so much more modern because it was. But it just that that big gap in years. Because when was this one? Two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. That's that's quite a bit. Like a, a yeah. big jump, right? From Bride. Um, and so it just it had a whole different tone to it. It definitely felt more, you know, direct to video because I believe it was. But um, it's still fun. It's, I mean, you can't you plug him in as Herbert West and it's almost guarantee at least some fun gore and uh, wild zany, you know, reanimation. So 
I, I had fun with it at the very least. Yeah, I thought I had seen this movie, but I hadn't. Oh, okay. so it was the first time for me too. I was shocked. I thought I had, but I, uh, yeah, I, it, uh, I didn't like it a lot. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't not like it because it did feel very much like Reanimator. It was a Reanimator movie, so all the things that we love about Reanimator, I too loved. I just uh, didn't enjoy um, the main guy's acting and uh, most of the dialogue and writing is so forced mm, and shitty. Yeah, and I, I mean, it was, yeah, it wasn't great. It's not like I was expecting a lot. I thought, and I couldn't, yeah, warden guy just drove me nuts. And the reporter lady, she was good and she, you know, carried the movie when Herbert wasn't on screen, but. She's barely she's barely in the movie, but I kind of had a crush on the nurse. I thought the nurse was really good looking. <laughs> oh, sexy no, sexy nurse that I've had in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was like, "Ooh, that's coming off soon, sometime." And I was and like, "What?" I was gonna say, "Yeah, but ex- but at, but at the same time, I think Yuzna and Stuart Gordon have like a nipple biting fetish or something because you see it yeah. in Castle Freak and yeah. like in this movie too. It's just like." I enjoyed all all the gore stuff was great. I thought the set had to be really fun to play in, you know, to get to make a movie in. Yeah, it was just. I actually like the do. I like the dubious joke throughout. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have seen this before. Um, back when it first came out, and so because I bought it on DVD when it first came out, I'm like, yay, another Reanimator movie. Um, and unlike Tad, I watched it back when I originally bought it. <laughs> um, it's definitely the weakest of the three of the trilogy, right? Right. Um, the thing is, though, I feel like it's stronger than some other franchises that wait like s- over That's 10 years to make another movie. Yes, absolutely. Like the first thing that pops into <laughs> my mind is uh, is uh, Phantasm with Ravager. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. But still, though, and... Still in the same vein, though. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, anytime you have Jeffrey Combs on screen, yep, I'm there, and I'm Uh-oh. and I'm probably going to like your movie. Um, uh, and... He, de- he delivers. And the fact that he's... Yeah, and the fact that he's Herbert West again, boom, sold. And he hasn't missed a beat as far as playing that character, in my opinion. And he's like, it just feels like he just... Walked off, of, walked off of Bride, sprayed a little silver in his hair, and went onto the set of Beyond. Um, because changed glasses. And changed glasses, yeah. Um, <clears throat> am I the only one, though, that found the dubbing distracting? Like half of the characters were dubbed and the other half are not? A little. You could tell that the female lead, this this Elsa chick or whatever, because I think it was wasn't it? Fil- it was filmed it was fil- overseas. Yeah, it was filmed in Spain. So I think a lot. Yeah. I think if I remember right, a lot of the actors, like some of the prisoners, some of the guards, um, who all had overdubbed dialogue, uh, were were um, Spanish speaking actors. And I'm like, and I don't know if they made them read the lines phonetically and it just didn't turn out well, so they overdubbed anything because the lips seemed to match what they were saying. <laughs> it just, for the most part, but it just, it was very sit in a chair, sit in a microphone and read the dialogue delivery kind of thing. And it, and it also felt like maybe, maybe they spoke Spanish in the movie and then when they decided to release it, decided to change it. 
to make it all English speaking. And much like most times when you take one language and transcribe it over into another, it doesn't it you know the the doesn't sound right. And that's why the writing may sound may seem kind of um, sophomoric and amateurish in in a lot of scenes. I, I don't know. It could even be the fact that they had to do a lot of dubbing because the prison um, had horrible, you know, it was horrible for recording sound. I don't know because it was shot in a real uh, closed down prison, I, I believe. I'm not sure exactly why it ended up that way, but I just found it really distracting that you got some people like Herbert West is, you know, that is the dialogue and then other actors are overdubbed through the whole movie. Yeah. That, that did not bother me. Uh, what bothered me was this known scientist, mad scientist and this new doctor was able to build a lab with no guards ever finding out <laughs> yeah. in a prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The logistics and the believability of a lot of the things that happened were, a stretch. You mean like reanimating dead bodies? I know. No. But like, <laughs> I feel that, like that the felt realistic to me. <laughs> but I feel like ultimately the downfall of this movie is is probably budgetary, but it just feels like yeah. it lacks some of the fun of the first two movies. Because when you get mm. if you go back and watch both those first movies, the third act is essentially the same. Well, all three movies, yeah. the third act is essentially the same. The shit hits the fan. And and craziness ensues where zombies are everywhere and tearing each other apart. But even in the first two movies, there's still a lot of weirdness going on. Like, you know, like in the first movie, one of the one of the zombies' guts explodes from its from its chest and strangles Herbert West. You know, or you have a severed head going down on Barbara Crampton. In the in the second movie, you got like these screaming mad George creations of, you know, bat wings attached to severed heads and 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 fingers with with eyeballs attached to it, and all these like crazy creatures. This one, it wasn't so much. I mean, you get the contortion scene, which was re- which was really cool looking. You get a guy with no legs who can fly. True, I <laughs> flew through the air. Not that possible. was amazing. That that <laughs> that shot reminded me of like so bad of of Zombie Three. There's a, yeah. a similar shot like that in Zombie Three. Anyway, um, yeah. So it just it wasn't as and and they I felt like they could have gone even crazier because the whole concept of how to calm these zombies down is like tapping into something into the spinal cord of somebody who's not dead and sucking out a light bulb or whatever that was. And then injecting it a light bulb into somebody else. And what's what's interesting about that is that everybody that gets injected with that part of the uh, of the formula takes on the trait takes on traits of that other person. So the warden starts growing these like huge front teeth, like he's because they use the they use the rat spinal electricity to revive the to. to Revive the warden, so he starts taking on more rat-like features towards the end. I just didn't feel yeah. like it went far enough with that kind of stuff. And the girl um, starts taking on traits. Actually, at several moments, starts speaking as the warden because yeah. her electricity jolt came from the warden. And I, I just thought they could have gone more with some more physical attributes with with those with those changes to make it more over the top, like the first two movies. Yeah, but the prison's a good backdrop. I, you know, yeah. it, you know, it was it was a, a neat a neat idea to put 
um, Herbert West in a prison. I know not want to make sense. Um, there was always supposed to be another, there was a talk, even before Beyond mm-hmm. came out, there was a talk of a different movie where it was like, uh, like Herbert West has to, Ref- it's like in the White House of the President, right? Yeah, he has to revive the president with the formula. What? Yeah. But that one never never came. Oh, it's more relevant now, right? Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. It's okay. I think it's worth a watch, especially it's if you're a Jeffrey watch. Combs fan or a Reanimator fan. Yeah, if you've seen the first two, you might as well. Yeah. but That's a glowing review they'll put on the DVD cover. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Green, of course. <laughs> <laughs> So the moment we've all been waiting for, at least me anyway, Jason, what's our third movie? Oh, we finally got here, Mike. Woo! We're going to talk about the one of the most amazing movies ever made since I first met you 47 <laughs> years ago. Every time we have a new friend, you're like, guys, let's sit down and watch some clips from this movie. And that's like, it's like your friendship test. You're like, let's see if we can continue being friends if you like this. <laughs> I'm talking about... The amazing film from 1991, Ricky O, the story of Ricky. By 2001 AD, capitalist countries have privatized all government organization. Prisons, like parking lots, have become franchised businesses. Why didn't you let the doctors take the five bullets out of you? Souvenirs. Do you still possess your superhuman strength? Of course, I'm much stronger now. Oh my gosh. I told you that trailer was weird. Okay, so incarcerated for an assault and manslaughter, a man survives a futuristic prison, future this 2001, by resorting to more extreme violence. Guys, this movie fucking rules. Yeah. Discuss. Um, thank you for this movie. Yes. <laughs> you are welcome, thank you. sir. Mike, you are redeemed for Wall Force. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You did it. <laughs> but I love this movie. How fun I don't is even it? know where to begin. Right? <laughs> well, it's uh, the example of what over-the-top extreme gore is. Well, first of all... There's so many kills so often. It's, I, just, I just want to pull uh, back the curtain a little bit. And say after recording the last episode, yep. and I talked about the director on on um, in Saints Picks, and Jason and I were talking, and he got so excited when I got to that part where I said that this guy made Riccio, and yeah, I wrote it down. I'm like, so the, it. this whole episode was based on getting everybody to watch Riccio. I think it's been our life goal to get everyone to watch Riccio. It's true. This movie, guys. Oh, was it? I know it's not Tad's first time. Andy's. It was Andy's first time. It was. Oh my God. Like, Tell us, Andy. Every. Uh, 
I I'm leaving that in. I know. I just <laughs> I love when I love that movies like this exist because sometimes I think the horror genre starts to take itself a little too seriously, and then <laughs> something comes along so batshit. I mean, it's just like. Sometimes you watch like, you know, um, you know, and maybe I'm kind of ragging on A24 here. Sometimes I watch like an A24 movie and I think I have to like, you know, okay, let's review in our textbooks right, later, you know, with, with this, <laughs> it's no nonsense. This movie should be taught in college. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> now, the fact that a man stores breath mints in his prosthetic eye was something so out of goddamn left that's not even left field was, that's just, was it out that's, of left field in this movie that, it's, that's that's fucking beyond i mean just that's that's so damn crazy and so fucking brilliant i love it um the the over the top you know hits like you know smashing a man's jaw off i mean it's like punching uh, through a man's head. arm yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's just i mean Cartoon this guy violence. this guy no sells like bullets you know he's just like yeah fuck you you know it's just like and it's not like coked up like you know i'll take all your bullets scarface getting shot he's just like walking into him he's like fuck you um the uh god where where do you i mean and and this this movie is it works on a gore movie it were it definitely sure as hell works as a comedy oh, it's yeah. it's fucking hilarious um i think I, I i didn't even laugh the hardest when i was watching like the ridiculous gore shots like the song that guy was singing when he got off the toilet you know <laughs> That is one of the funniest damn things in the movie. Um, just, I mean, a guy gets his intestines ripped out and because he's committing Harry Carey because he can't, you know, beat Ricky. But so he yanks his intestines out and he tries to strangle Ricky with his own intestines. Uh, just. I, I, I find it hilarious, those moments when... You know, Ricky fights these guys. He he's he's winning, and then like things are going bad for the one that he's fighting. So Ricky then starts defending that guy, and then still turns around yeah. and has to obliterate him. Yeah, yeah, I have a feeling that Stephen Chow, the guy who made Shaolin Stalker and uh, Kung Fu Hustle, and uh, I can't remember the other one, but I mean, he had to have seen this film before he started making movies because I mean, it's, it's, it works as like a slapstick comedy. Uh, just the, 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 the end boss guy is just, just so damn absurd, you know, just, yeah, I was going to say it has been cited as an influence for the mortal Kombat series and fighting games. Oh, nice. For sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, he basically grinds the guy into, to hamburger and just, <laughs> Literally. it's, I mean, you have a guy attacking you with like, who, who's like, you know, got the black belt in like knitting. I mean, cause he's like throwing those knitting needles at him. <laughs> I, 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 the fact that I'm saying this makes it science. It doesn't even do it justice. And I sound insane. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
people just do yourself a favor watch this movie i mean don't you know don't go in thinking that you're going to be watching anything from a24 i mean it's not citizen kane and you know but just watch it i mean i would love to hear a riff tracks on this <laughs> oh dad you got a nice history with this film yeah, I actually, um, for my birthday, I believe 2019, I always uh, do a surprise double feature for a group of friends at the Capitol. And this I did as the second movie. And the first movie was Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut um, before it. So yeah, So upset I had to walk that night. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a complete... Uh, awesome night i mean those two together <laughs> it, it was before tammy and the t-rex was on uh blu-ray or streaming anywhere it was sort of uh i i had a early access to a file and just the, the that was a fun night for um that audience to sit through both of those but um yeah actually i had seen this movie uh years ago i think like on a bootleg or something someone had shown it to me you know and it's, it's one of those things where it don't this is one of those like like you guys before i even met you is one of those movies that you know you want to show people just to get their reaction because it's a uh it's itchy and scratchy but like with <laughs> you know it really is like the stuff that they do on that that cartoon yep. is exactly what is in this but in real action you know like real life action so uh it's a blast um something that is just so surreal but um gross but funny and and strange and does not it, it's like it, it it's like uh miami connection where if you like the director's <laughs> never watched he's never watched a movie before it's like is this how we make movies uh it's it's up there in the echelon of wild batshit movies i love it oh yeah i i i also originally saw this as a bootleg back in my pittsburgh days and it had to have just come out or something because that was when I was in Pittsburgh was in, in nine, in like 91, 92. So, and knowing now it like came out in 1991, like, holy crap. So when this movie first came out on DVD, boom, I had to get it. I freaking love, 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 love this movie. I've seen it so many times. And, uh, <laughs> Ricky is the, is the greatest badass of all time. Like what I think of him as badass is like, he gets, he gets shards of glass thrown into his eyes and he can't, he's blind. He can't see. So he just shoots some water from the ground into his eyes, cleans them yep. out and he can see perfectly yeah. fine after that. Gets razor blades slapped into his mouth. I was actually cringing at that scene where he <laughs> put the razor blades and taped his mouth shut. Jesus Christ. And then slapping him in the face of so the razor blades Ugh. start poking out through his cheeks and then Ugh. spits the razor blades into the warden's face. That, that's awesome. Shh. But or or he gets his arm slashed, and it cuts like tendons <laughs> and veins and whatnot. So and he can't move his arm. So then to fix it, he just ties them the tendons back together, and his oh, arm yeah. works perfectly fine after that. Oh, it's it's super gory, but it's so extremely over the top that it's not really like gross, gag inducing or anything. Um. It's, and the blood is the blood is a little too it, it looks a little fake. It's it doesn't look like real blood to me. Yeah, but some of those effects though, holy crap. Yeah, oh yeah, they look great. Yeah, yeah. cut to the jaw and just rips oh, the guy's God. whole jaw off or um 
the one guy, uh, I believe his name is Tarzan, where he goes up to the guy and, and thunderclaps his head off. Oh, that's a yes. classic guy gif. Yeah, well, it started because on my DVD, it even aver- uh, advertises it because the DVD came out um, during the early days of The Daily Show and The Daily Show started to become popular pre John Stewart. I can't remember that guy's name. Well, Greg Outborn, was it? Yeah, yep. yeah. And, um, and a segment on that show, it showed a bunch of random clips from weird stuff, and it sh- and it showed Tarzan doing the the smashing headshot. So on the DVD, it advertises that as seen on the Daily Show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I I have to talk about uh, no abs <laughs> that Wiki's abs from the beginning. <laughs> like I want like Wiki. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my notes. <laughs> That's just the beginning of my notes. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite scenes, I don't know if anybody really noticed or because it was so much, but that secret handshake and the peace sign and then shit peeing in the urinal scene. I want that secret handshake with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then, like, they was always peeing together at the urinal. <laughs> That's not natural. <laughs> and, <laughs> even for me. <laughs> and uh, one of the okay, I got a w- couple random things I've noticed on this movie. Did anybody notice that quick shot of the worst basketball game ever? No, <laughs> no. Yeah, they were outside playing basketball terribly, or like a nice little quick shot. <laughs> and it was really bad. And uh, this assistant warden scene, I paused it, and on the back shelf he had. A shelf, a bookshelf, f- shelf full of uh, VHS porn. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's oh, porn God. all over that room, dude. Yeah, like I paused it, I tried to find it. Got that Couldn't one. Got that names. one. Don't have that one. <laughs> nope. Oh, I got this one. Thanks, what? <laughs> I was in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then it was just bonkers. I just could uh, the graveyard like training sequence when they were just throwing tombstones. Oh man! Yes. <laughs> Disrespectful. I, I just love that. The, this yeah. is it reminds me of like an ultra violent version of, um, and, and this came out after, so I guess this movie. But it, um, Scott Pilgrim, like this, mm. the evil exes. There's oh, just yeah. these crazy like villains that pop up into this movie, and they all have these weird eccentric characters, and there's just it, it's out, it's otherworldly, but it's in its own universe. It's not here in our universe, like <laughs> things. That d- can't happen, happen in this movie. And so um, you just can't, you know, you, you can't take it like from a normal viewpoint. Um, like you said, it, it really is an itchy and scratchy cartoon. It's, it's, you know, just bonkers. I love it. It's just full of different members, like different leaders of different wings of the prison. And they're all super villains with their own looks and superpowers. Like, the, the Asian Gilbert Godfrey with the um, blonde tips. Oh, that guy. Mm. <laughs> and this was all based on a manga, yeah. right? So yep. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun to get a hold of just to read that. Well, and, you know, Jason, you say that uh, back in the day I would show this to people. Um, mm-hmm. I still do it because, like, after we decided to do this, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to make brandy sit down and watch it but i was showing her trying to show her clips on youtube 
And everything I could, like every trailer is like the most tame version of this movie ever. Like well, the closest thing we could find is like every time it would show, start showing the action, and every time it would show Ricky going for the uppercut, then it would cut to the shot from the manga. I'm like, no, oh, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's cool and all. Get to see the manga a little bit, but no, I'm trying to show off this movie. I read that uh, it received a Category 3 rating, viewers under 18 not allowed. It was one of the first Hong Kong movies to receive such a rating for non-erotic content. This rating greatly inhibited the film's ability to make money at the box office. And then it says the film grossed two po- and then is some version of money I don't understand, so I'm sorry. <laughs> and it, it's like I said... Uh, on the last episode in Insane's Picks, when I talked about the director, this is the one he's the most known for. It was his last film, but this is the one he's like most, like in the States anyway, that he's most well known for. It's like you said, it was kind of a box office flop for Hong Kong, but, yeah. uh, um, but it, it transcended here. It's, it's, and as, as I'm trying to discover more of that director's films, this has been the most ex- easily accessible one in the States, even though right now, like streaming wise, it's like, impossible to find but but there's been dvds and blu-rays of it and uh, and it has been streaming on on other channels before did you know that there's a sequel what no sort of it's allegedly there's a sequel called uh dent king inside king aka story of ricky 2 or super powerful man and it was released <laughs> in hong kong 2005 <laughs> They said the plot doesn't follow the events of this um, after Ricky breaks out of prison, but it is set in the future. And um, it was never released in the United States um, or in Europe, but it is available on DVD without English subtitles. Um, and but but it was ca- the same the same dude was cast in it as the title role, and he does uh, he does sport the camouflage poncho seen in flashbacks and in the manga. So, oh wow. So there's unofficial, not really, but kind of sequel. I wonder if it's just crazy and over the top. I know. Uh, you know, because huh. again, like some of the other stuff I've seen of this director, this movie, it makes sense that this is that guy's movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. So like, it it's obviously done by a different director. So I, I, that's why I wonder if it's like is going to be as nutty. Oh, this movie's so cool. Yeah, I, I love the scene where he's like grieving and he's just punching the Wayne for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so crazy. And the the warden's son, like his outfits, the green, you, like yeah. look like a leprechaun, and they're like he had like Halloween buttons on. I just wanted <laughs> to know what this kid's life was. <laughs> you you want his tailor is what you're saying. No, I just oh. want to know. He had the story, and I want to know it. <laughs> I love that um, my my boss usually makes it to these oh, no. double features for my birthday, and I got him to watch this. So. Oh, awesome. what did he say? You still have a job, so that's good. Yeah, I think his wife was with him, and I think she went home, and he had to like get a ride home afterwards. Uh, <laughs> There, were a f- but you can hear like during the first movie, there was lots of laughs during uh, Taming the T Rex. And this one, there was a lot of people going, "What?" what? or or uh, <laughs> you know, sort of like laughing out their nose or like, "What? What is? What is this really?" 
<laughs> and then the next year I played uh, House, you know, the Japanese, you know. Oh. Oh, yes, yeah. I made it for that. That that and Ricky would make a fun double feature too, but. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then that random punch, and then it should turn into an X-way. I love that shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Some of that stuff's really creative. Must be directly from the manga. Yeah, I yeah, think so. probably. Yeah, as much fun as the gore is, that shot, which is could have gone the gore out, is actually super cool. Uh, just seeing the skull cave in through an X-ray shot. Awesome. Well, I'm glad everybody liked it. Yeah. Uh, now I gotta yes, find thank another. You. You're welcome. Now I gotta find another batch of people to subject this movie to. <laughs> <laughs> It seems we just made parole and we're getting out early on good behavior. So we're going to take a quick break uh, so we can talk to our parole officer. Uh, when we come back, it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer podcast. First, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to over 20 shows, including the Brett and Tony podcast. Woo, woo. Uh, yeah. You should definitely check it out, as you should check out all the shows on the network. There's something on the network for pretty much everybody. So it'll be segments time, but right after this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Did you miss us? I know I did. To start us off with segments, we're going to go over to Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, on this episode of Shout-outs, we ask, what are your favorite horror films set in a prison or jail? And up first on our Facebook page, it's our brand new attacker, Ashlyn! She says, The Stanford Prison Experiment, (laughs) 2015. Technically classified as a thriller slash drama. Parentheses, Mike, don't yell at me. LOL. Uh, God damn it, Ashlyn. (laughs) I'm not allowed that word on this show. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) But this movie is awesome and actually based on on a real experiment that was done in the 70s, and it caused some real psychological issues for the participants. Cool, right? Up next, Don and Ellie. He says, Furnace was a pretty solid ghost movie, mm. as was Shapeshifter for being direct-to-video stuff. I didn't mind Dangerous Worry Dolls or Ghost Machine either, while the outright terrible Devil's Acid must be avoided at all costs. Is this like a what's that game where you fill in yeah yeah yeah, this is his mad libs mad libs i'm trying to read it that way anyway uh if you don't mind going a bit harder and more extreme with this material ooh, 99 women barb now you're talking barbed wire dolls the bird the big bird cage and violence in a woman's prison would all be quite fun 
If yeah. you say now so, you're talking Don. like from the 70s and 80s prison exploitation. exploitation. Uh, a lot of them women uh, in prison exploitation. Corman films. Well, Big Bird Cage. Are you saying nobody mentioned Three from Hell? Eh, not yet. I assume probably not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was a <laughs> joke. <laughs> Up next, we got Brian Clark. He says Alien 3 is an unfairly hated movie. It's bleak and unpleasant and a perfect end to the story of Ripley being haunted across several lifetimes by the creature she just can't get away from. Speaking of bleak and unpleasant, Oswaldo de Oliveira's Bear Behind Bars is one of maybe the most scummy, sleazy, repugnant women in prison exploitation flicks out there. Sold. That is to say, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, the Ilsa movies... Include, yeah. Including Greta the Mad Butcher, which is a Jess Franco movie that got redubbed with Diane Thorne, are all delightfully campy, gross-out fun. I know you and Andy love those. Elsa mm-hmm. She-Wolf of the SS um, was shot on, on the same, like, on the same uh, spot where they shot the Hogan's Hero series. Nice. Over on our Facebook group page, we got attacker Rod Hutchison says, Beyond Reanimator is one of my favorites. Awesome. awesome. Attack, <laughs> attacker Brian Godsell says, Gotta go with female prisoner number 701, Scorpion. Of course. You probably found it at Dollar, Dollar Tree. Tree. <laughs> 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 In your face, Brian. <laughs> then there is... My least favorite horror movie, The Human Centipede 3, final sequence. I almost thought about putting it on the list. Thank and I'm fuck like, you didn't. Oh. I'm like, nah, they'll kill me. That's right. We will. I, I will get mentioned uh, part two because I thought that was part two. But <laughs> I don't know. Them. Up next, we got Marcus Rude. Speaking of the PFPN, we got his new podcast, The Rude Horror Podcast. This is the new podcast on the network. Check it out. ThePFPN.com. He says prison 1987 <clears throat> and silence of the lambs. That's a good yeah, one. Okay. That's a good mm-hmm. one. All right. Dig in. Tim Lennerer's up next. He says it's punishment park time. Motherfuckers. <laughs> no, that the full park. title. I think I it's just so. punishment park. That was all caps. Uh, dissidents in the darkest timeline in Nixon's America are given a choice between life in prison or a three-day survival course with no food or water while they're hunted down by cops and National Guardsmen who need live target training rounding up political prisoners. It's early found footage, and it's starkly terrifying. Peter Watkins will wreck your entire evening. Watch it anyway. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. And then Godsell says, sounds like I need to find this one. (laughs) And then Tim says, the same director made The War Game, a fake documentary commissioned by the BBC and then banned from broadcast by the same institution. Watkins had an eye for brilliant social horror on a budget. His other film, The Gladiators, tries for a comedy as well, and that wasn't one of his gifts. (laughs) And then lastly, on our Facebook group edition, it's, Attacker Abe, the Abester. He says, not in prison per se, but the but Cube has to be mentioned. It was a prison. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a good pick. It's a great He's pick. He's smart. He is smart. That's... Amazing concept. And even though it was done on a mega cheap 
They didn't sacrifice a thing. That movie freaking rules. Good Canadian pick. film. Yep, it does. <sighs> we didn't have anything on Twitter, but we did have over on the Instagram. We had Jason Zbornik. He says Alien 3. Nice. More love for Alien 3. And then we had the Bizarre Buffet podcast. They chimed in and said Alien 3. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Racking yeah. up the points for Alien 3. That's good. That movie's good, guys. Come on. Come on. That's three votes for Alien 3. Does that make it Alien 9? If you're... So that's... The math, math checks out. Oh. Hey, anyone can uh, leave us a comment. You can call our voicemail, 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave a voicemail. Leave us your comments on what you think your favorite horror movie set in a prison or jail is, and we'll play that shit on the show. Thanks, everyone, for oh, your I comments. Was, Tony's got an I honorable gonna, mention. Uh, yeah, I was going to, uh, before I was you know, coming on the show, I was going to comment natural bone killers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great prison scene in that one, yeah. Yeah, so just nailed the end. But yeah, mm-hmm. that, like I thought that overlooked, so I just wanted to say. I want to know where all the love for Wishmaster 2 is, damn it. Ah, that's right. Tells the lawyer to go fuck himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, hey, yeah, that's shout-outs. Well, thanks, Jason. Welcome, Mike. And now it's time for the theater of the deranged mind. Here's recasting with Christian Slater. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another abomination of good taste in your overall senses known as recasting with Christian Slater. This week we'll be revisiting scenes from a horror flick that was originally panned by horror fans at first, but slowly gained a cold following. Sorry, but it's not Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Everyone's favorite pussy hound, Dr. Chalice, will have to be lampooned on a later date. The film I'm referring to is Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. On that note, let's introduce our celebrity readers, shall we? Playing the role of Ethel, the thorn in the side of the Unger Institute of Mental Health, is attorney as evil overlord Skeletor. Great to have you back. (laughs) Yes, it is good to have me back, isn't it? AOTKP could never do this show without me. You do realize you failed every time to capture Caskill Grayskull, right? Gee, thanks, Dick. Playing the role of Ethel's dim-witted son, Junior, is everyone's favorite moose, Bullwinkle. I've got a feeling this role won't be too much of a stretch, Bullsy. Why, thank you, Christian. I consider it to be an honor to be a reoccurring guest on your show. Like I said, it's not going to be a stretch. (laughs) 
Pulling double duty of the sheriff and the drifter is our resident curmudgeon, Don Knotts. How you doing, you old bastard? Oh, real fucking funny, asshole. It's bad enough I gotta be here, stuck here with you all week, but now I gotta do, read bit parts in a movie about a dead beat dad who kills his, kills a bunch of kids because his irritating fat shit son got hacked to death over a candy bar. <laughs> wow. You should have done the voiceovers for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's get going. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Exterior driveway day. Sheriff Tucker converses with Matt in the driveway as two giggling teens shimmy past them. The conversation is interrupted when a sputter of a dirt bike engine approaches. Driving the motorcycle is Junior Hubbard, a large, barrel-trested, dirty young man with a leather flight cap. Behind him, with her arms clutched around his waist, is Ethel, equally dirty, petite, with curly hair. She is clad in fandle and has what appears to be a permanent scowl. The bike skids to a stop by the sheriff's car. Ethel climbs off the bike and jabs a finger at Junior. I'm going to do the talking. You just keep quiet. Ethel, Ethel stomps toward Sheriff Tucker. Matt and the group of kids sports shit-eating grins. Morning, Ethel. My, don't you look lovely today. Horse shit. Now, Sheriff, you better hear me and you hear me good. I want this loony bin closed down. You hear me, fella? Now these kids ain't nothing but trouble. They don't respect others' property, and they're all crazy. You tell them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Ethel pivots and scowls at Junior. Ethel, these kids weren't doing... Doing? Ethel swats the sheriff in the arm. You don't think I don't know what those two perverts were doing in my yard? The kids begin to snicker. Say it like you mean it, Ma! Ethel pivots again and snarls at Junior. Would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> All the kids laugh while Junior merely shrugs. Ethel points a finger at the group of kids. Now I'm going to tell all of you. You make my, you mark my words. The next little bastard that comes near my farms, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. You hear me? Sheriff Tucker reaches out to calm Ethel down. She recoils instantly. Don't you come near me, Sheriff. I warn you. I got a bomb on me. I swear to you. You make one move towards me and I'll blow us all up. Start the engines, Junior. Junior starts his dirt bike and revs the motor as Ethel climbs aboard. That's my final word. Ethel flips the sheriff the bird and the group of kids and, the, and Junior tears off down the driveway. In our next scene, we revisit Ju Ethel and Junior at dinner time.
Interior, kitchen, day, a meat cleaver slams down on the neck of a plucked chicken as the as this as it rests on the chopping block. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to chop you into itty bitty pieces, my friend. Just like they did to that piggo over there at that fucking crazy farm. He yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ethel slams the cleaver down again, con continuing to butcher the chicken. Hee-ya! Nearby, Junior slams down a wooden spoon on a kitchen table, mimicking his mother. Beef stew drools from his chin. Soggy vegetables are splattered on the table. Junior is a slob. Ethel drops her hands to her side and manages a smile. You big diddle-do, eat your fucking slop. Ain't I make the best goddamn stew in the whole wide world? Junior shovels more food towards his face. Half goes into his mouth, half into his lap. This is the best goddamn stew in the whole wide world, mama! <laughs> Outside, chickens cluck and scutter, scutter about. This grabs Ethel's attention and she grabs a shotgun near the counter. It's that goddamn coyote gonna try and kill my lot again. I'm gonna show that bastard once and for all. You hear me, Junior? Junior continues to slurp his stew as Ethel stalks toward the door with the shotgun. When, he, when she reaches the door, she startles a skinny drifter, haggard and dirty. Ethel is not pleased to see him. She points the shotgun in his face. Holy shit! Who the fuck are you, and what the fuck do you want? Ma'am, I ain't eating in two days. I'd like to earn a meal. Yeah? What do you do? Whatever you need done. Okay, clean the shit out of the chicken coop and dump it behind the shed. You come back here when you got all the shit out, and then I'll fill your stomach. Yes, ma'am. The drifter nods and walks off. Ethel flashes a look of disgust as she lowers the shotgun and scurries back to the kitchen. She leans the shotgun on the kitchen counter. That is one fucking ugly man that goes there. That is one fucking ugly man, mama. <laughs> Ethel spins and confronts her son, hands clenched in rage. Would you shut your trap? You know, you ain't so pretty yourself, you know. Uh, I ain't so pretty myself, uh, I know. <laughs> Junior shrugs, chuckles, and commences eating his stew. Ethel grimaces in anger and stomps towards her chopping block and grabs the cleaver. She slams it down on the chicken again. Hee-yah! <laughs> this concludes another episode of Recasting with Christian Slater. Where there truly are no new beginnings, because auditory torture never ends. See you next time. I just gotta say real quick, Bullwinkle the best casted as Junior. <laughs> it's gotta be the best casting ever. Oh, man. He really I hurt me, Ma! <laughs>
<laughs> I, I gotta ask, how do you guys get these guys every week? <laughs> we, so, we're, we're connected. Join the attackers. Oh, okay. com. We raise lots of money. To <laughs> okay, wow. I've, I've just been wondering for years. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the last in Saints Picks Hall of Fame, uh, we began our journey around the world looking at the wildest and craziest filmmakers from all over this globe. Saints Picks Hall of Fame would be shut down and condemned if we did not include who I feel is the greatest filmmaker from the Philippines. That's right. This time we are inducting Eddie Romero. Eddie Romero is a filmmaker that covered all different genres. Um, but he will go down in history for us horror fans as the co-producer of one of the earliest Filipino horror movies ever made, the 1950, 1959 Terror is a Man, directed by Gerardo D. Leon. In 1968, he began what is known as the Blood Island films with the first entry, Brides of Blood. This was the first movie that teamed Eddie up with acting talents, the acting talents of John Ashley. Eddie and John would work together on several films up until the end of John Ashley's career. Brides of Blood is about natives of a tropical island that are lower on the food chain, as the island itself is also inhabited by man-eating plants and animals that are mutated caused by radiation. This was quickly followed up with the infamous Mad Docker of Blood Island in 1969. One of my favorite promotional gimmicks of all time came from this movie. When Mad Doctor of Blood Island was released in the United States by Sam Sherman, moviegoers were giving little vials of green blood and had to take the blood oath at the beginning of the movie, then drink the vial. The third in the official blood trilogy was Beast of Blood in 1970. That wasn't all of Eddie's contribution to the genre, though. He also made such films as The Twilight People in 1972 and Beyond Atlantis in 1973, both which were made for Roger Corman. Eddie worked for Roger on several films like Black Mama, White Mama, and Savage Sisters. Eddie Romero became a leader in the industry. He had, he had served as deputy, deputy director of the Film Academy of the Philippines, and chair of the Subcommittee on the Arts of the National Commission on, on Culture and the Arts. Romero, which to be honest with you, it's kind of weird to be talking about a director named Romero and his first name isn't George. He has received a total of 22 awards. These include five Best Screenplay Awards from the Filipino Academy of Movies and Arts. Uh, he, also was, uh, he also was chosen... Um, Best Director for The Passionate Stranger in 1966, Aguila in 1980. Uh, eventually, he was awarded um, Hall of Fame, uh, the, the FAMAS Hall of Fame in 1986, and the FAMAS Lifetime Achievement Award in 1993, and also the Presidential Award in the year 2000. Uh, these are just a few of the many awards and recognitions of his work in cinema. Yet, his most important award is now being inducted into the Insane's Pick Hall of Fame. Um, a great movie to check out if you want to know more about Eddie Romero is the documentary Machete Maidens. So It's a great documentary about the filmmaking industry in the Philippines, and there's a lot of talk in there about Eddie Romero and some interviews with Eddie as well. 
Eddie passed away May 28th, 2013 at the age of 87. We salute you, Eddie Romero, not just for your contribution to Insane's Picks movies, but your contribution to Filipino cinema as a whole. Hooray! So that's it. That's this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to special. I want to thank our very special guest Tony for being on the show. Thank you, Tony. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. It was great having you on. It's been fun. Hope you had a lot of fun as well. I yeah, you did. talked about severed zombie penises, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So where <laughs> paddle, thanks. where can people follow you, sir? Um, Blood and Tony. We are on Instagram. We uh will. Go follow that, most importantly. <laughs> we're on Twitter, Facebook. We're on everything. I uh, I set up a Reddit. Um, I got a Discord thing I'm working on. So we're everywhere. And, yep, just come listen to our podcast. I gave them shit, but I love them all. And they're all <laughs> my best friends. So just come listen. We'll be just having a conversation that we're not recording them. Yep. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on, man. I appreciate it. And thanks out there to all of you for listening to Attack of the Killer podcast. It really means a lot uh, to be able to share our thoughts and do our impressions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you. (laughs) Moose, he's back. He's Mm. back. Has he ever really left? Thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer Podcast Attack of the Killer Podcast